Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Gone is an off-season of blindsiding green waves, historic hurricanes, and the timeliest of summer earthquakes. Saturday night in the historic Coliseum, fall returns to spin us another epic. And so does the Cardinal, the Gold, and a bronze-clad Heisman Trophy winning captain. The men of Troy are back, primed to face playoff hopes, championship dreams, and a runaway hype train ticketed for Houston. Standing in their way to start, the fittest of foes, the Spartans. It's the USC Trojans. It's San Jose State. This is Week Zero. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 498, coming to you on Wednesday, August 23rd. This is the first game preview episode of the season. We're going to be looking forward to Saturday evening, nights, whatever you want to call it. Uh, USC and San Jose State locking horns at the Coliseum. 5 p.m. on the Pac-12 networks. We're going to give you some analysis, break it all down, our predictions, and so much more. Play some over-under as well. We're super excited about it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com and our phone number, 818-643-7227. Lock that number in right now into your phone. So you can call during the rant line, the rave line, whatever ends up happening, you can call in during the game and uh, give us your thoughts. And uh, we'll, if everything goes to plan, we'll throw them into a montage for next week. So 
Uh, we're super pumped about it. I'm your host, Mike Castillo, joined along with my co-host, Tina the Rainter Studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Dertel. Hello, everybody. Hello. We're back. We're yeah, back. Yeah. The the dramatic uh, entrances are, are back. They are back. Yeah. I love this for us. I'm so happy that you're you're doing these again. I, I'm, yeah, me I'm too. pumped. I was ready. I, I I got a sneak peek of it earlier today, and I was just ready to run through a damn wall. So that yeah. yeah so the the interesting thing is, so we're, we're live on YouTube, and if you're joining us on YouTube, it's a bunch of people on YouTube here already, and we're excited about it, and and glad you guys are all here. There, the way that the the little online studio thing works, we basically have like a like an image that's like sitting on top of us while the the intro is playing. You know what? It, you know what it reminded me of? It's like when um when you when you go see like a like a comedian and like the intro music starts playing, but the comedian is still outside. I mean, still backstage, like waiting to come on or something, or like a boxer. You know what I mean? The yeah, the, the boxer yeah. intros. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is self-serving to say, but uh, I'm <laughs> excited for this episode. I feel like I've said that like nine times already. So uh, I hope you guys are as well. If you're joining us live on YouTube, uh, be sure to subscribe. If you're not subscribed, uh, subscribe. So that way you you get um, all of us into your, um, into your subscription feed, uh, but also hit the bell. So you get notified of all of our new episodes, which are Mondays and Wednesdays during the season and then CarCast on Saturdays. Uh, programming notes about the CarCast this year. Doing it a little bit different. Still going to be live CarCast here on YouTube. Home games, the CarCast will take place about two hours after the game. Road games, we're looking at like 15 minutes after the game. Uh, this not only allows uh, me to go to the game, allows you guys to go to the game. Uh, one of the feedback, the, the things that we got last year was how it was difficult for people to uh, listen to the car cast if they were going to the game. Because while the listening while you're on your drive home is, is ideal, not always the easiest to turn into tune into YouTube live uh, or while you're walking through the, the Rose Garden or, or whatnot on the way back to the shuttle or something. So two hours after every home game, 15 minutes after every road game live here on YouTube uh, every Saturday night that uh, SC plays. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be super fun. Uh, doing the car cast live on YouTube was, was might have been my favorite thing of the, of the year last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to doing it again. I'm looking forward to being able to to include more people, hopefully, in, in that because of yeah. the, the home game delay. And we're always open to feedback from you about what works and what doesn't work as far as any of the shows, but you know, CarCast specifically, and yeah. and let's let's ride, let's do it. Are you, are you Russell Wilson now? <laughs> Trojan Country, let's ride. <laughs> uh, you you might be more excited than he is. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, um, so yeah, that, that's the CarCast on Saturday. Look for that. Um, probably going to be like around ten thirty or something, which I know is late, but um, that's that, that's what we got going. So. Um, you can join us then. We're, we're going to be here live on YouTube. Uh, and then um, tomorrow we will be live on YouTube with a members-only stream uh, right after dark. You can get all of our members-only content here on YouTube, $4.99 per month. You not only get to get all of our bonus content on YouTube, but you get to join our Discord where we have uh, a chat of the, uh, the dearest Rot Squad that we're calling them. Everybody that's a member is in the Rot Squad. 
yeah, it's going to be super, super exciting um, to to always chat with everybody, uh, whether we're doing our Thursday night shows, um, our meetups and, and everything like that. I'm 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 just really pumped for the season, Michael. I, I just I don't <laughs> want to keep repeating the same thing. Yeah, I'm just really pumped for everything. Genuinely. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, and then the last little note here, uh, Friday, the, the day before the game. Football Eve, we will be having our first rot meetup in like four years. Uh, we're doing it super T-ball style. It's going to be low-key but fun. Uh, we're just going to go to Shakey's Pizza in Valley Village on Laurel Canyon. Um, 6 p.m. Friday. Come join us. Hang out with some rot bots. Uh, have a slice and a pint or whatever. And uh, it'll be a good time. It'll be a great time is yeah. what it'll be. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but... Uh, this is episode 498, uh, and it's one that is brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook. Caesars Sportsbook is kicking off the NCAA football season with a new bet 50, get 250 in bonus bets limited time offer. New, new users can sign up with our code FSBETS30GET and redeem 250 in bonus bets after placing your first wager of 50 bucks on any NFL game, even if your bet, first bet loses, you receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. Make sure to enter our code FSBETS30GIT while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the season. That's code FSBETS30GIT. Uh, you can see it on the screen here on YouTube. It'll also be in the full description down below. The offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to gamble responsibly. And of course, check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. Before we get to the news, we just got to do a, a review really quick. We got a new one, five stars from Cameron that says rot for life. Huge fan here. Love the show and great chemistry between you guys. All caps, rot bots, rot bots, rot bots. Love that. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch of news. Let's just get to it and uh, take a quick break and tackle that now. We got to start with some recruiting news. USC has picked up the commitment of five-star quarterback uh, Julian Lewis, the number one quarterback in the 2026 class. He's currently a sophomore in Carrollton, Georgia. The 2026 class, I, and I know <laughs> that make, it makes me feel old. I'm sure it makes you feel old. Uh, but he is coming to USC, or at least he says he is now. Remember when David Sills was in like the class of 2015? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how. Yeah, that, that's and, that's what's and he coming. committed in 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big pickup for USC. Great way to start uh, the future recruiting class off on a high note. It's always good to get a big hitter in your recruiting class early. It helps with building the momentum. It helps with facilitating the recruitment of other players in that class. So definitely feels like a big thing, but 2026 is a long way off. So I don't think you, anyone at USC should be counting the chickens before they hatch. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is clearly a commitment to Lincoln Riley. 
And why wouldn't you, as a young five-star quarterback, commit to Lincoln Riley? Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, 2026 was a long way off. We'll see what happens when we get there. Yeah, it seems good for now. That's all I got to add. Um, yeah. You you want the number one quarterback in the country. Absolutely. I think the landscape of college football has sort of changed with how we look at quarterback recruits because so many of them transfer and whatnot. But you still want first right of refusal on everybody. You want the number one guy. So hopefully for SC's sake, that holds firm for the next, you know, three years. It's going to be a long time, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that all comes to be. Uh, let's go to the other news. The big stuff that came out on Wednesday today. Um, Alicia, Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA and he held a press conference at the Coliseum. Tell us all about this. Yes. Um, first and foremost, uh, the press conference was not sponsored by USC in any way. Apparently, you can just rent out the, uh, what is that club? The club? Club, club uh, 1923? 1923, yes. Yeah. The 1923 club, you can just rent it out. Apparently, it's like 6000 bucks. So, you know, if you have 6000 bucks lying around, spare change. As we all do. You can yeah. go host a party there uh, or a press conference there. Uh, but if you're Reggie Bush, it certainly seems like a, a good venue to hold your press conference where you basically take a sledgehammer to the NCAA um, at every turn, essentially. Uh, so, yes, he is suing the NCAA for defamation relating to a 2021 press release statement that was given after NIL rules were changed. So multiple... Uh, Multiple outlets reached out to the NCAA after the NIL legislation was put forward to ask if Reggie Bush would have any relief in terms of his uh, his records or his Heisman, given that uh, that change in legislation. And the NCAA released a statement that said essentially, "No, we're not reinstating Reggie Bush's Reggie Bush's records, uh, which is implied not his Heisman." Because that's what needs to happen in order to get his hyphen well, renewed. Hold on, can, can we? Not renewed, we but. we have the the statement, right? The statement would said NCAA rules still do not permit pay for play type arrangements. The NCAA uh, infractions process exists to promote fairness in sports. The rules that govern fair play were voted on, agreed to, and expected to be upheld by all NCAA membership schools. Yeah, that was the second half of the statement. So the first half of the statement was essentially like no, and then that was the sort of back half of the statement. Yeah. And Reggie Bush and his lawyers read that statement and they see the phrase pay for play type arrangements and they say, hold up, who said pay for play? Yeah. Whoever accused Reggie Bush of pay for play? That's been the funny part is that if you're a USC fan, there's a good chance that you have been fighting the good fight for the last decade to explain to people that the Reggie Bush situation was not pay for play, that it was not a USC booster or USC itself enticing Reggie Bush to come to USC, that it was not a USC booster or USC itself paying Reggie Bush to play for USC. It was a would-be agent who was giving money uh, and, and other, you know, paying for things for Reggie Bush's family in the hopes of Reggie when he left for the NFL signing for his fledgling sports agency. There was never discussion of pay-for-play. USC did not get in trouble for pay-for-play. USC got in trouble exclusively for fail for uh, lack of institutional control that was tied to 
essentially a failure to monitor Reggie Bush. It was about, you know, it was the whole line about uh, high profile athletes require high, high profile um, uh, compliance. And that is a sort of a big factor in the entire Reggie Bush narrative is that um, it was never about pay for play. And the implication that Reggie Bush was getting paid for play is flat out 100% false. Um, so Reggie's lawsuit is taking that line and sort of running it and saying that uh, the, 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 the lawsuit says um, that the statement was completely false and highly offensive. And they claim that uh, Bush's reputation was substantially and irreparably damaged by that statement, which yeah. they're alleging basically the statement reinforced the misunderstanding that was widely accepted by college football fans uh, about, uh, or by you know people at large, about what Reggie Bush is accused of having done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very interesting. Number one, defamation is extremely difficult to prove if you are a public figure, so... This is not necessarily a slam dunk case, even if you and I can look at this and say, like, they said pay for play type arrangements in reference to questions about Reggie Bush's infractions. And like, it's pretty cut and dry (laughs) that they screwed that up. Uh, But it it sort of takes it, it rises to malice. I think we may see the, um, the, the Todd McNair ruling play a role in all of this if it goes if it goes further than anything if it goes like 18 years like that thing i mean yeah but but the the ruling that todd mcnair was able to get which basically found that the ncaa did indeed you you know with malice tarnish the reputation of todd mcnair it does give reggie a bit of a leg up here but it's still uh, i think it's still a very uphill uphill climb um to me, what all of this is, is is Reggie Bush putting pressure on the NCAA to just cave and reinstate his records, and that will allow the Heisman Trust to reinstate his Heisman, which will allow him to be in good standing in sort of the college football world, and then everybody can just sort of move on from all of this. Yeah. Um, so, to like, I don't think the goal here is to win a lawsuit. I think the goal is just to put pressure on the NCAA just to, to cave. And to be quite frank, they should just cave. This is stupid to be spending time on this in 2023. The week before the 2023 college football season starts, what we're talking about is the NCAA sil- like overreaching ruling about a uh, an infractions case from over a decade ago, from now going almost two decades ago from when the alleged infractions occurred. And this is what we're talking about. The NCAA should just reins- should accept that striking records is stupid in the first place, reinstate the records, let Reggie get his Heisman back, and then everyone moves on. Like, it's it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be this difficult. But Reggie has to put pressure on the NCAA, and there's never been a better time to do it because there's never been a more... Uh, the 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 landscape of college football has never been more open to siding with Reggie Bush on this. Right. Yeah. I am. I I I look at this multiple ways. One, for the NCAA, why would you overturn something that is that was against the rules at the time? Um, at the same time, the entire landscape has changed. We know the Menzel stuff. We know the 
Cam Newton stuff, which is the giant unfairness of all of this, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the the crazy thing, I, I go to Tim in the chat that says, it's funny, all the NCAA had to do was say no. With all the extra stuff, they opened themselves up to this defamation lawsuit. Yeah. I, how many of us have jobs in the corporate world? We see how, how many times things have to go to legal in some sort, right? That's just what things do. Mm-hmm. Every statement about anything that the NCAA puts out should be, should go to legal. Yeah. It's How wild. did their legal department allow that phrase to be in there? All you have to do is delete that one sentence. Mm-hmm. It's wild that they even instituted that statement the way, like all, all they had to do was no, we're not reinstating Reggie's records. Right. The rules that govern fair play are voted on, agreed to, and expected to be upheld by all, all NCAA member schools. That's it. Yeah. Very it, simple. It, it, it's all, it's all um, silly. I'm, but there was other stuff so the defamation suit is all silly and all that kind of stuff, but there was other some there was I just want to go over some nuggets from the press conference that I think are interesting and worth considering as USA goes into a new football season. So the lawyers say they expect the number five to be back at the Coliseum soon, but they haven't been told like they haven't been given that guarantee. Yeah, Arash Markazi, Markazi had sort of drummed up some some of this idea on t- on uh, Tuesday night when he tweeted that. Um, he was told that the day when Reggie Bush's jersey will be re-retired will come sooner than expected under USC AD Jennifer Cohen. And he posted a picture of the current layout of the Peristyle where they have new Heisman banners, which, by the way, look beautiful. The, yeah. the Peristyle... They're not the jerseys, but they, they look, like, very nice. They're beautiful. Arash, yeah. Arash quote tweeted a t- an old tweet that he had put where he had a, an old photo of the of the peristyle with the video screens up and all of the other stuff going on around the peristyle and then like to compare and contrast that with what the restored peristyle looks like just reinforces what a beautiful thing that USC did with yeah. the renovation in terms of the peristyle and fixing all that so yeah on as the, as an aside um, but there is this sort of growing sense that there the, that where the banners are, there are two gaps open, and we obviously are going to see the thirteen go up there at some point. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it'll be this season or next season, or how the timing on Caleb Williams getting his jersey retired. Uh, we'll find that out. But there is a gap for the fifth, for the for the for the eighth Heisman for the number five. Um, so if USC wants to put that banner up, they have it. Um, yeah. Two other things real quick. Uh, Reggie's lawyers said that USC submitted an appeal to overturn the NCAA investigation and reinstate Bush's records recently. Clearly that did not go anywhere. Um, And then also the big question that I had rumbling around my head is would Reggie Bush, who is currently not employed by Fox Sports anymore and won't need to be dealing with with, uh, Saturday football coverage and stuff like that, so his Mm -hmm. schedule is open, he says that he has been asked to lead the team out of the tunnel multiple times, but he will not lead the team out of the tunnel until he has his Heisman with him. So that answers that question. Yeah, the the picture that was that was out on Twitter um, of the Peristyle, the the new retired number jerseys, little banner things, look great. But there's also the addition of new tarps in the corners over by the by the clock and the thermometer. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny in the chat says, those are beautiful, but the tarps less so? Yes. Uh, and uh, Michael in the chat, great name, by the way, says scantily clad peristyle, which is what we've always talked about, right? Mm-hmm. 
the the tarps sort of take away from the scantily clad parastyle. I'm okay like, with like the tarps. They, they've taken down the 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 Audi suites, which is good, but like, you know what they should do? I I understand that they can't. They're not selling those like the, those seats are, over by by the clock and the thermometer don't exactly sell. They're they're either obstructed view if you're lower or they're well, just the, the real obstructed bad. view seats are gone. They they took those out oh, years they? ago, okay. but. They added more seats at the bottom low at the bottom level, but then up on the top by as as high as the peristyle is, yeah, they they put the tarps there. And they just they haven't really sold those since like the Texas game, right? Why don't they take a page out of the the Wrigley playbook and cover those sections in like juniper bushes? <laughs> Are juniper bushes? Um, I don't know. Have are, like some, are those native to Southern California, Michael? Why not? Let, figure figure out if you, they are. You want a bunch of cacti at the uh, Coliseum? Are, are juniper bushes cacti? No, I'm saying like native to Southern California. Oh, no, okay, how about make it like the Hanging Gardens of Babylon? There you go. <laughs> Suddenly, you've got like two ancient ruins like honored at the Coliseum in one. Like, how awesome would that be? Basically. The, the, those things are, something needs to be there. Um, if people are not in those seats, then something needs to be there. The tarps, I understand why they're there, but they're still tarps. We made fun of UCLA for putting tarps in the Rose Bowl last year. Like, it's yeah, silly not, not to sit tarps, here and say the same thing about the Coliseum too, right? The tarps that UCLA put up are very different from... Like the UCLA tarped over perfectly decent seats at the Rose Bowl. I, ag like, I agree. This is not, no one wants to sit in those seats. I, I agree. At the same time, they're still tarps. They're still tarps. So, all right, let's, let's get to some other news. Talk about the 2023 season a little bit. Um, and injury news. Um, Solomon Tulia Pupu is out for the season. Uh, he suffered a knee injury. Uh, during camp and is undergoing surgery. He may return for 2024. God knows he still has eligibility. Um, he got here in 2018, the 2018 class, and at least this is his history at USC so far. He missed 2018 after preseason foot surgery. He missed 2019 after another foot surgery. He missed 2020 after knee surgery from an injury in summer workouts. He missed 2021, still recovering from said knee injury. He played all 14 games last year, made 10 tackles, three tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and then comes back this year and again injures his knee and is going to be out for, for the season. He's only played one year. And he's got the COVID, and he's got the he's COVID, got the COVID year. year of eligibility. Like he, we, we talked about <laughs> Britton Covey. Like Solomon Tuliapupu, theoretically could like argue for like four more red shirts yeah it's it's, it's wild it's it, i'm very sad for him it's it's awful that he has to deal with this especially because he was talked about you know after last season he had a, a, a you know a fairly productive season as a as a contributor off the bench for usc on the defensive line um he sort of transformed his body to be able to play in the position that he was playing in Came into this season, and the, he was talked about as somebody who was going to be in the rotation on the defensive line, who was going to be a regular player there for USC, and then this mm -hmm. happens. It's just like the number of what-ifs on, on Solo's career 
are many as you've as you've laid out the all of these injuries and yeah. it just is a huge huge bummer i didn't yeah, I, I I don't know I don't know where you go from here besides, you know, just trucking along still. And I mean if, if he wants to keep playing football, I hope that USC gives him the opportunity to keep playing football. Absolutely. If he wants to walk away after ravaging his body the way that his body has been him, ravaged, right? who could blame him? Right. Um, you know, the whole GoPro and something other than sports, I I don't know. It's at a certain point guys who deal with injuries to this degree have to make that decision and um we will see what he does he he can get through uh this this knee recovery and then go from there yeah it, it's just crazy i look at the guys that sc has had been ravished by injuries kevin arbet josh pinkert herschel dennis uh daniel marbebe and Solomon tulio people who has like twice the number yeah. of injuries as those guys which is just <laughs> Twice the number Wild. of season-ending injuries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Our bet was always the the one I really felt bad for. He he missed the the his senior year is going to be two thousand three. Misses it with a with an injury. SC wins the national title. Yeah. Comes back in two thousand five. Two thousand four. Misses it with a season injury. Uh, SC wins the national title. Comes back in two thousand five, and we know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. He did get the two rings, though. That's the important part. Uh, all right, let's get to talking about USC and San Jose State. Week zero. Week zero. USC and the Spartans playing 5 p.m. Pacific Pac-12 Network. Uh, the Spartans coming into the Coliseum at 7-5 and five last year. Uh, these teams haven't met in two years. The Trojans opened the 2021 season with a 30-7 to romp over the Spartans. But it wasn't a romp. It was 13 to 7 going into the fourth quarter. SC sort of needed uh they needed a pick 6 from Greg Johnson that they got in that game. The defense was was solid but the offense could not do much in that game against San Jose State, but this is a different San Jose State team. The defense from the Spartans was very good last year, but they were led by the best um pass rusher in the Mountain West. Um uh, Valiami Fahoko, 18 tackles for loss a year ago, but he's gone. The Spartans need to re- replace two starting defensive ends. Uh, the defensive line is going to be a big question mark, even though they performed well last year. So I think that's going to be something to be sort of interested about. But they return Shevin uh, Cordero at quarterback, who's the transfer from, from Hawaii. Um yeah, it's going to be sort of an interesting one, but SC, of course, heavily favored in this one. USC is 5-0 and all-time against San Jose State. All those games at the Coliseum, um, and just about all of them, season openers for the Trojans as well. Uh, the way we're doing previews this year, Alicia will look at one side of the ball, I will look at the other, uh, and then sort of convene here to sort of discuss... Uh, Alicia, I took the San Jose State defense, which means looking at the USC offense against the San Jose State defense. Um, let's start to look at the numbers last year. Um, San Jose State ranked uh, 94th on the SP Plus unit defense. Uh, not great. USC was number two in the country on offense in SP Plus. Pretty damn good. Again, this is a 3-4 defense. they got to replace those guys on the defensive end. 
uh, side of the things. It all comes down to the big playmakers that the Spartans have in the secondary. Trey Jenkins uh, is back as a grad senior, three-year starter, 180 tackles, 46 games played for him. He's played in five seasons already. This is going to be year number six for him. 60 tackles a year ago, a couple picks. Uh, he's going to be playing alongside Chase Williams, who sounds familiar because he should. He was a USC transfer, uh, left USC a couple years ago, and now he is playing with San Jose State. It's going to be year number two for him up in Silicon Valley. Um, and then uh, Byron Parham, uh, middle linebacker, another guy to keep an eye on. Returning starter, led the team in tackles uh, in 2022. Alicia, for you, when you look at this this um, San Jose State defense and knowing what USC is doing on offense? Well, I mean, the question really is, is can any defense on USC's schedule slow down Caleb Williams and and company? And I guess my, my question for you about the San Jose State defense would be, if they were to find a way to pull an Oregon State here, what is it? What is the X factor that 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 gets them through? I don't know that there is one. I, I think that this is a, a different game if Vahoko's there. Um, we know that SC has some trouble on the offensive line when it comes to pass block. Uh, SC is an elite run blocking team. Pass protection is an issue. We've talked about this for a couple years now, right? And you look at the the numbers last year. The Spartans were fourth in sack rate. Uh, sixth in sacks per game. They were very effective in getting to the quarterback. And I think that even though Caleb Williams is mobile and nimble and can move around in the pocket, that might be an early one, early week one struggle, sorry, week zero struggle, right? In the season opener, you never know if things are rusty to start with the offensive line. They haven't gelled for a full season yet, especially with a lot of incoming guys as transfers. At the same time, there's not a lot of experience. Uh, the, they got to replace Fahoko and Cade Hall, who's the other defensive end on the other side, with Trey Smith. One career game played. He's going to start for the Spartans on Saturday. And uh, no- Noah Lavulo, who has 12 career tackles. I, I don't think that this is really a challenge for USC's offensive line that way, um, especially when you look at the, the two nose guards are back, nose tackles are back for the Spartans. But those were guys were co-starters last year too. It's not like one of them is way ahead of the other. They've been listed as an or on the depth chart for two two seasons now. I don't know. I, I think that this is exactly the type of game where you look to get chemistry for USC's offensive line sort of right away. You know what I mean? Like So it's like we talked about where you're not gonna we're not gonna learn anything if USC rolls because they should roll. Yeah. The only thing we can potentially learn is if they really struggle. If they really struggle, it's it's not on paper as it stands right now because they got beat by a guy who is a really good player who could end up in the draft like Fahoko. Yeah. So there's no there's Fahoko no was a mid round pick. Like he's a yeah. he's a Sunday Sunday player who legitimately could play in the, the power five. If he beats you, he beats you. He's not here. So you know what I mean? So there's no excuses. Is no, sort there's of no excuses. No. Uh, the Spartans were susceptible to the pass. They do bring back Jenkins and Chase Williams. Uh, Chase Williams, the former USC safety, of course, 40 ta- 41 tackles last year, uh, one tackle for loss. I think Trey Jenkins might be the more interesting guy in that he had seven tackles for loss led the Spartans in all the returners that are back this year in tackles for loss, and he was a safety. 
Um, he's someone who could be all over the place and sort of making tackles for, for San Jose State left and right. But even still, I think this is a matchup that is all USC. All right, let's, let's fl- turn the page and talk about uh, the San Jose State offense, uh, of course, led by uh, Chevin Cordero. Yes, Chevin Cordero, the Mountain West preseason offensive player of the year. Um, he is really the one to talk about on this offense, which, to be frank, is 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 not super inspiring. Um, they they can appear to be able to move the ball at times last year, but got stopped up whenever they played a, a decent team. Uh, they they lost to Auburn, they lost to Fresno State, and and really just sort of got stopped in their tracks. And I think part of that is because Cordero is going to make things happen or he's going to run into a, a, de- a better defense in front of him that's going to just sort of put the brakes on the whole thing. Um, they do return, in addition to the quarterback, they return a Mountain, Mountain West preseason all-conference receiver in Justin Lockhart, who transferred to Nevada uh, last year. He had 578 yards and a touchdown last year and, and returns as the sort of the lead receiver for Cordero. Uh, he's also got a tight end back, a few tight ends back, in fact, but Dominic Mazzotti is the big one. Um, against UNLV last year, he had a career-high 100 yards on a career-high seven catches and a touchdown. Uh, so I sort of looked at some of the highlights from that game, and you could see how Cordero was going to try and depend on him a little bit in the middle of the field, and so that's something definitely for USC's linebackers to take note of. When yeah. it comes down to it, um, there's very little about the San Jose State offense that should worry USC, which should give us a decent indication <laughs> about where the defense sort of stands relative, right? Like, there's the, the, this, this offense is just a whole bunch of meh, unless you're looking at Cordero, who is a threat with his legs, uh, who will evade the pass rush and get the ball out. Uh, down the field, who will who's a threat on on a read option, uh, who is a threat on sort of draws, QB draws, and the like. That's yeah. something that USC's defense is very much going to need to keep an eye on. And you mm-hmm. can sort of imagine for USC's defense, if they get gashed in this game, it will all start with Cordero being the guy who gashes them uh, and yeah. and makes them look silly. But that comes down to the USC defense being the USC defense for be- for better or worse, right? Yeah, I like the matchup against Cordero in the sense that I think this is a precursor to guys like Jaden DeLora, um, yes. who could potentially, potentially give you some fits. We know that DeLora gave SC fits last year. Um, someone who's got some spunk to him can be a little bit of a, of, of a scrambler. I wouldn't say a, a pure runner runner last year. You look at the rushing yards. Um, Cordero ran for 265 yards. Uh, only a couple times did he have more than 50. He's not going to run for a billion yards on you, but he's going to pick his spots. Yes. And that's, and that's the danger for the USC defense. Cause he's capable of picking his spots. If you yeah. give him that room, he's not going to force the run. They're not going to insist on running with him. It's all going to be by, uh, not necessarily by design, but by by what's in front of him. Mm-hmm. So if USC gives him that lane, he will take it and he will run with it and he is capable of making a man miss. So it's going to be interesting to see what USC's defense does to try to counter counteract that. 
Um, yeah. I don't know that he's dangerous enough on the run to commit a spy to him, but you do need everybody on your defense to be tactically aware enough to understand that he is a threat to take off. You need to you need to keep an eye on him almost so that you don't get get into trouble. And that is something that USC was not necessarily good at last year in terms of everybody on the field being tactically aware of what their job was and what the job of the guy next to them was and and all of that they they right. were susceptible to to a lot of things um and that is the thing that we need to see USC's defense improve upon is right. just being in the right place being where you're supposed to be and taking care of your business and if they do that i do not think that the San Jose State offense presents all that much of a problem but we know that USC still has to answer the question of whether or not they're they're, they're capable of uh of of doing that and and making a mid offense look mid which is sort of what you're looking for from from this team it, um, it the would, one it would be a good sign for SC given the you know development they need from last year because like you look at the numbers that are on the screen right now this is absurd sc was 111th in points per drive last year it's atrocious all these numbers they're over 106th in right like those are horrendous numbers if that's what the usc defense is going to be this year it's going to be difficult to really deal knockout blows early on in games to get miller moss involved and to get all these other these these rotational players time to develop as it goes on when they're playing opponents who SC should be beating by 30 uh, according to what the 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 casinos are saying right like mm-hmm. yeah and and that's the issue is that USC made a lot of offenses last year that were decent to good look good to great right um you think about just Cal like Cal is a really good example of a team that should not have been able to mm-hmm. to produce the offense that they produced against USC, but it was USC's offense being so bad that it sort of elevated the other USC's side. Defense, yeah. Sorry, yeah, USC's defense being that they USC's defense elevated what the opposing offense was capable of in the in their right. in their better moments. Um, one thing that I think it, one sort of storyline that I think is is really intriguing for a USC defense that looked pretty decent last year in large part because they generated as many turnovers as they did at the start of the season. San Jose State, if you want to talk about one thing that they do well, aside from the fact that Cordero can make plays, is that they don't turn the ball over. And that's one of the big, like, you compared Cordero to, to Jane Delora, and I think that's that might be a, a fair comparison, except for one massive difference. Cordero takes care of the football. Six interceptions last year, he doesn't... You know, he's he's not going to take too many risks. They don't fumble the football, at least they didn't last year. So this is a this is a game where you go in and say, you look at the USC defense and you say you might not be able to rely on the boom or bust of the turnover thing. That's, that's where I think the the Laura comparison falls apart because yeah, I, I think the Laura is more talented, bigger arm, surely. Um, but I think they they play a similar game but have completely com different tendencies and embodiments, right? Because Cordero seems like someone who plays very, you know, refined in his game, you know, back from his time at at Hawaii and now at San Jose State, whereas 
Delora, I said the other day, he's the most gunslinger, gunslinger to ever gunslinger, right? Like, yes. Because that's who he is. Yes. And, and that, that's what makes him good, but that's who he is. And that might be a limiting factor for someone like Cordero, who right. is going to take what's there. And against USC's defense, like maybe that would be enough. But if USC's defense tightens up and takes care of business, then, then it's going to be a, a limiting factor. Right. Uh, the San Jose State offense does return four starters on the offensive line. So they have experience, veteran experience coming back on the offensive line. But it is worth noting that none of those offensive linemen have any, you know, notable honors to, to speak of. No Mountain West, you know, all Mountain West team, no preseason all Mountain West team uh, players. Uh, so this will be an interesting matchup, I think, for USC's defensive front, this rebuilt defensive front to sort of get their get their feet wet and go against a group that, is not uh, that is a group that is veteran and familiar with playing each other, but not mm-hmm. necessarily overly exceptional. Sure. Uh, so I will be looking for uh, to 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 be able to gauge USC's defensive front going up against that group because it's it's not like you expect that group to be a dumpster fire. I, I don't right. think they will be, but they won't be anything special compared to what USC will be facing later on in the season. So this almost feels like even more so than I expected as an offense as a perfect testing ground of medium for USC's defense to go up against because the quarterback is good, but he's not exceptional. And the rest of the offense is, is capable, but nothing special. There's a reason that the, the spread is 30 points and it's on USC to sort of find a way to make that come true. Um, let's get into um, some over-under, shall we? So you're going over. I'm doing bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia. If you are new to the show, the way we do over-under is Alicia picks three lines. I pick three lines. Um, and then we throw together a um, Google form and have you guys, the Robbots, join us as well. So uh, if you're in the chats here on YouTube, you can click the link um, and join us and play along. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube later on, wherever you may be listening to us, check the description. The link is in there as well, so you can play along. And we can track the winners uh, because we've been doing this last few years, and it's been super fun. Two, 2020, uh, Ryan from AZ, uh, Ryan from Arizona, and Yonatan split the title. 2021, it was Adam and Clint in Pittsburgh who split the title as one entry. Uh, and then 2022, Ryan from Arizona again won, two-time champ. This King time outright. Um, so yeah, you you guys want to play, and you want you want to you know go in there and beat Ryan from Arizona. You don't want to let him win a third title. Come on. So all right, Alicia, what's your first over under? All right, my first over under is 14.5, and that is points for San Jose State. I'm going very simple direct with this one 14.5 rice had 14 in the opener last year Mm -hmm. san jose state had 16 against auburn last year they had 10 against fresno state um this is i I think it's not asking too much of usc's defense if we expect this defense to be better than they were last year to limit a team like san jose state to somewhere around 14 points uh, the closer that San Jose State gets to 20 points, the more 
my anxiety will rise. Right. Um, and my anxiety might rise anyways, even if they only give up three points, if it's all, uh, you know, 75 yard drives and then red zone turnovers or something. Missed <laughs> you know, field some, goals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but we're just going to go keep it straight. Keep it basic. First over under of the year. Let's just uh, keep it normal. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm leaning over here. And the reason is because I, I think 14 kind of sounds exactly right. Um, I, I, to me, this is a week zero game, you know, ST's got to get better on, on defense. That's the side of the ball that needs the most improvement. I think in week zero season opener, there absolutely is an opportunity for San Jose state to score some points here. Maybe as, as the Trojans start to, uh, rotate guys on in the second half. Um, this is a game where I think SC wins comfortably. We're going to get to that you know, a little bit later when we get our score predictions. But as far as the points go exactly, I give it to San Jose State to take the over on 14 and a half, which locks you into the under. Yeah, um, as my prediction will be coming later, I will decline to say whether or not I am happy about that. Yeah, all right. Uh, Let's go to my first over under which is 249 and a half Caleb Williams passing yards. Uh, he had exactly 249 against Rice last week, last year in week one. So can he match that? Uh, can he get better than 249 yards uh, that he had a year ago? Uh, Spencer Radler had 304 for Oklahoma against Tulane in, in 2021. That's more than 249, but that was a close game. Um, Tulane a better team than this San Jose State team that USC is playing this year. Uh, Radler also had 290 against Southwest Missouri State out of the FCS uh, in 2020, which is his first starts. Again, that's more than 249. Uh, Baker Mayfield, probably the best comparable to what Caleb Williams is, is right now, someone who returning after being a Heisman finalist. Um, Baker Mayfield in 2017, at 329 passing yards against UTEP in a 56 to seven win. Uh, that's probably the closest proxy. That's an over two, but again, Caleb Williams only had 249 last week, last year against Rice coming off the injury uh, last December over under 249 passing yards. This one's always a crapshoot because USC could blow them out 60 to nothing and he could end up with 230 passing yards and you wouldn't, sure. you wouldn't necessarily think anything of it. Um, I still think that when it comes to Caleb Williams, I'm going to just in general bet overs uh, because I think that this is a Heisman defense. I think that he will want to set a very strong tone initially. Um, I, I think that... USC will go out there and have a pretty vanilla game plan, but that doesn't mean that it'll all just be running the ball. Uh, I think that they're going to, they have too many receivers, too many tight ends, too many guys that they want to get involved in the passing game for them not to have those passing concepts get shown off at, at least some in some way. So I'm going over on this. All right. Uh, that works for me. Cause I like the under, um, which locks me into the under because I think there's so much change on San Jose State's um, defensive line. This might be a game where I think SC might just run a ton uh, early on in the game too. Um, 
obviously you expect a lot of passing in the first half comparative to the second half, but I think there'll be a lot of running as well uh, from the Trojans. We'll see what happens there. Um, let's go to your next over under. What do you got? Old standard tight Uh-oh. end catches, tight end touches, <laughs> you know, 1.5 tight end touches. And I said that because Lake McCree had one catch in last year's opener. And that was the one tight end touch of the game. In fact, USC's tight ends last year averaged across the board 1.2 catches per game. So, mm-hmm. it's a low line, but also, as I just got well, done saying, there's a whole bunch of guys who need to eat in this offense, and the tight ends are not necessarily high up there on that pecking order. No, but if you get two tight ends, one catch, that's an over. Mm-hmm. Right? I just sort of think that there's just too many possible dudes who could do this. Um, well, yes, who SC, are those dudes, well, though? Essie doesn't have a million tight ends, no. <laughs> so it's like but, McCree like, and Jude Wolf. And those are still two dudes. That's two dudes. I I think there's an over. I think there's an okay. over. BB in the chat says, easy over here. I I, I agree. This is an over for me. I, I, I like Easy it. over is in like it's going to be two or three, but like I flirted with two point five, but even that felt uncertain. Yeah, give me give me the over there. Um, maybe it's a little risky. We'll see. Um, all right, Alicia. What's uh, my next one is going to be Mason Cobb uh, tackles over under six and a half. Mason Cobb tackles. Uh, Shane Lee had eight last year against Rice for for. Uh, some intel there and Cobb averaged eight tackles per game last year at Oklahoma State it's week zero it's going to get his first start as a Trojan he's a new newly named captain six and a half Ooh, well this is tough because it's it's like a question of how much is Mason Cobb going to play right so my understanding of how things are going for USC at the at the linebacker spot is that we can expect to see Tackett Curtis. Uh, I saw a quote quote from Alex Grinch saying that Tackett Curtis will have a big role to play in the game. And mm-hmm. part of that, I think, is because Eric Gentry is still getting back from that ankle injury. Shane Lee is is maybe not at his healthiest. Um, Rajon Davis has dealt with an injury in fall camp. So it's almost like, does USC have the luxury to have Mason Cobb be in there only for when the game is in question? And then how quickly can they get him out of there uh, to sort of preserve him? How much is Shane Lee going to play? How much is Eric Gentry going to play? Because if those guys aren't available and it's like you have Mason Cobb, but you're taking him out for somebody who's way further down the pecking order at, at, at linebacker, mm-hmm. it gets a little, it gets a little fudgy. Right. I'm, I'm not sure about it. So I'm going the over on this just because I think that Mason Cobb will have to play even if the game is not particularly close for long. Um, and also he is a volume tackler. Uh, you know, I think he's just going to be out there getting involved in, in plays across the board. And, I feel really I feel I feel okay with taking 6.5. If you had it at 7.5, I'd be much more likely to take that uh that that over because I, I just sort of my gut says 7. Yeah, that's where I was kind of thinking. Like I I thought 7 and a half might bait you too much into the under. Into the under? Yeah. Um 
Yeah, this this is tough because I feel like it's it's either going to be six, seven, or eight. Um, and seven and eight are both obviously qualify as an over win for you. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a matter of how much is he going to play. Um, how close is this game? Um, but at the same time, if he's a tackle machine like he showed at times that he could be at Oklahoma State, what if he ends up having four on the first drive? Then suddenly he's going to get that number regardless of how much he plays, right? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think if you're SC, you want him to be getting the tackles and not Kalen Bullock or, or any of the, the DBs because they're not getting to the second level. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, let's go to the next over-under. What do you got? All right. I am going with sacks by 2023 transfers. Not to get this all convoluted, but USC had a lot of 2023 transfers on defense and a lot of them in the front seven. Mm-hmm. So this is sacks by the likes of, just to, to, set, the, to set it out, yeah. by the likes of Keon Bars, Anthony Lucas, Bear Alexander, Jamil Muhammad, Jack Sullivan, Mason Cobb. I'll throw Christian Roland Wallace in there in case he's he's blitzing off the edge. Mm-hmm. But I believe that covers the group of people that I'm talking about. So when I say transfers, players who get sacks who were transfers, I am not referring to someone like Solomon Bird, who transferred last year right. and is now on the on the defense. Or or you know, Rome- Rome- Romello Height doesn't count. Romello Height would not count. No, yeah. exa- exactly. So. Um, Sacks in this game by players who transferred in 2023. And okay. I'm setting it at 3.5. I thought long and hard about this when we were putting together this, the show notes. And it's been difficult to sort of come to a way to put like three and a half of any cluster of players sounds crazy, right? Like it sounds like a lot. Like if you would have said last year, three and a half sacks by, um, um, Thule, like I wasn't going to, there's no way I was going to take that. Right. At the same time, that's, you name like all the players that are going to be playing in the front seven. I, I, I think SC can have a game where they have like four sacks and all of them come from these dudes, because if it's not these dudes, who is it going to be? Tackett Curtis. Um, I, I guess Stalin bird, right? Like, Romello Height, like there's only a few handful of those guys. There's seemingly more transfers than not. So give me give me the transfers. Give me the transfers to take the over on the uh the three and a half sacks. Yeah. I, I mean it felt like a lot setting it at three point five, but like you said, it, the that's the majority of the rotation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where this gets tricky is the likes of Solomon Bird. And Romello Height sort of mucking things up for for you or any robots who take the over, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it there there is a world where USC gets five sacks and they come from Bird and Height and uh, Tyron Tillene and and um, you, you know the rest of the of the guys who have returned from last year. Uh, that that could be interesting. There's a former know. number one overall recruit there, Corey Foreman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you never know. Uh, all right, let's go to the last one. Um, mine, paid attendance. Uh, 62,500. 62, Last year, the Rice game week one had an announced attendance of 60,113. 
Can they get over 62.5? They better. I would hope so. I would hope so. I am going a hard over on this specifically because, number one, USC won 11 games last year. Mm-hmm. They put an, an, an exciting product on the field last year. This game is not in the middle of the heat wave death zone at the Coliseum. Yeah. It's at 5 p.m., ideal start time. Um, excitement for this season, returning a Heisman Trophy winner, being ranked in the top 10, all of that mm-hmm. should have people ready to go. Um, maybe USC gets a little bit of help on the attendance front because San Jose State is not that far away, and if there are Spartans fans, they can very easily drive down. They're not going to travel like Fresno State, though. No, but like maybe maybe they maybe they boost up relative to the to the trip that Rice says. Sure. Um, if it's under, then shame on the USC fan base. That's all I'm gonna. I have done a lot of defending right. of the USC fan base. Uh, as Kenny says in the chat, tickets on StubHub are cheap. Um, yes, but remember, this is paid attendance. Tickets this, on this StubHub is, are have already, already paid for. Accounted for. This is true. Yes. Um, no, I have spent a lot of time defending the USC fan base over attendance criticism from all corners of the college football world. And I will not defend them this year because in the past I understood Clay Hilton did not put a product on the field that was fun to watch half of the time. Right. The the fan base got, base got beaten down by the... By, by, the big by excuse just, was that people weren't spending because they didn't want to watch yes. a Clay Hilton on... Um, yes. The head coach is Lincoln Riley. The quarterback is Caleb Williams. The ranking is number six. The expectations are college football playoff. Mm -hmm. You're not coming out to the Coliseum for this game. Then you are not a fan. I'm sorry. Not, not what? Wow. I say that for people who are, who would normally like go to a USC game. There's a lot of people who don't go to the Coliseum and they have good reasons for it. Because they live elsewhere, sure. You're, you're fine. You'd be like my dad, who has literally never gone to. He's he's gone to USC games because tickets were given to him. But his standard, his operating procedure is to watch from home. But right. I know that there are more than sixty-two thousand fans who are ready and willing to go to USC football games at the Coliseum. And if it's less, then well, that's that sucks. This has been my thing forever. As um. I get it. There's a lot of things to do in LA. There's a lot of things to do in California. I get it. There's also like 15 million people within an hour and a half, two hour drive of the Coliseum. Like you should not have trouble, uh, especially when you have Lincoln Riley and, and mm-hmm. the Heisman winner. And yes, it's San Jose state. Yes. This, we're not talking about the Washington game, but you know, teams in the South draw when, um, they're playing, um, Southwest Missouri State or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's get to our game predictions, Alicia. The uh, best part of every pregame episode, because this is where we end up putting egg on our face. Uh, The Vegas spread, USC by 30 and a half, last I checked. Bill Connolly's SP Plus projections has the Trojans by 34 and a half, with a projected score of 46 to 12. Alicia, what is your score prediction? I am going all in. Um, I have seen the USC offense under Lincoln Riley, and Mm -hmm. I am a believer they are scoring 50 points in this game. 
Okay. I am choosing to believe, choosing to believe that USC's defense has figured some things out. So I'm going with nine. 50 to nine. 50 to nine. Yes. Okay. I, I, okay, three, three field goals or a touchdown and a safety? Three field goals. Okay. That, I mean, that sounds pretty solid. Pretty solid from the defense. Um, I'm going to go 55-17. Um, I think this is a game where SC just gains a billion yards on offense, moves up and down the field pretty much at ease, no problem on that side of the ball. Um, 55 means they're probably settling for a couple of field goals somewhere uh, that could have been you know, a couple more touchdowns. Uh, the 17... Um, Mostly second half. I'm thinking mostly second half when the when the second string gets in there. Maybe it's a maybe this game is like uh, something like uh, thirty five seven and a half or something like that. That's the way I look at it. So yeah, I, I think SC dominates the game. Uh, Miller Moss gets in there, and um, we go from there and see how the score lines up. All right, uh, let's take a quick break and get to the mailbag. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, we got to start with a uh, rant line phone call that we got from uh, Dan Valley Village. Oh, oh my goodness. I can't believe you're having a meetup. The first meetup of the year is literally maybe like four minutes from my house. This is Dan from Valley Village. And I can't believe it's at Shakey's at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock on Friday, which happens to be at the same time I'm doing a screening for my wife's new movie. This is my shameless plug. Uh, you're so not invited to my bot mitzvah, starring Adam Sandler and Adina Menzel, and it's on Netflix, but I so wish I could also meet up with you guys because you're so close to my house. I am so happy for the season to be back. I'm looking forward to catching up on another uh, meetup, and otherwise, let's have a fun game week. Fight on. Let's get it. Take care. Dan! <laughs> That's always how it goes, though. 100%. That's always how it goes. It's It's... The one time that a thing is near you, it's on the one night where you already had something bigger going on that you can't possibly mm-hmm. skip out on. And and yes, we will give you the pass on this, Dan. Your wife's <laughs> movie is definitely more important 100%. than us. Uh, so number one, we'll check out the movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, promise we Dan has not paid us any money here, but uh, I do like Adam Sandler and Adina Menzel, so... Um, wasn't Adina Menzel his wife in Uncut, Uncut Gems. Gems as yes. well? So yes. hopefully yeah, hopefully the relationship a little bit better. This <laughs> a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be sad to miss you. We'll be sad to miss you, Dan. Dan. Yeah, and we have this sort of same dilemma too because one of our favorite things that we're super into right now is uh, Jet Lag the Game. Mm-hmm. Jet Lag the Game is doing a premiere of the new season. In L.A. on Friday night. Yep. yep. Like, they're never in L.A. They're finally in L.A. to do a new season. Super excited about it, and we can't even go. Yep. Because we got to meet up. Because the be robots more fun. matter Which more to mean, us yes, than Jet exactly. You guys yes. all mean more to us, and we love you guys more than anything. So. Yeah. That's the important thing. Uh, we also love Alex in the chat. Who we really, in really a, love a Alex. Super chat. Big, big shout out. Um. Uh, the super chat says, "How many backups will play in this game?" I think all of them. I think all of them. This is going to be a game. I think where SC's got to, you know, 
sort of unleashed the bench. Not only because it's a game where I think SC has control of the scoreline. I think you want to do that in week zero anyways. I think you're going to see a lot of rotation early on in the game um, from all sorts of things, right? Like you're, you're going to see uh, the the wide receivers. I wouldn't be surprised if the second drive of the game had like the second string wide receivers in there. I think you're going to see the rotation um, in the backfield at, at running back a lot. I think that that's sort of what you should have should expect in a season opener, especially one that's in week zero that comes a week earlier. Um, obviously, SC had the same amount of preparation for the season uh, in fall camp as, as everybody else did, but it's a week earlier, one more week to sort of get ready and rest bodies. It's an extra bye week the SC's going to get during the middle of the season. You might as well rotate a bit. I want to see some freshmen. I, I want to see some freshmen in there. Mm-hmm. You you have four games of uh, redshirt eligibility that you can that you can burn through. So uh, I think it would be well within well well within uh, the norm to say, let's see Makai Lemon, let's see Quentin Joyner and Amarian Peterson, uh, let's see you know guys like Braylon Shelby and and Dejan Lafitte on the defensive line if they, if they're good to go. Um, Christian Pierce. Christian Pierce has gotten a lot of rave reviews in in camp. I'd love to see him get out there and 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 see some action. So yeah, um, yeah. Bring on, bring on all the backups. Yeah, Sam Green, uh, Brilliant yeah, Shelby. Sam Green, all of yeah. those guys. Yeah, uh, those guys would not count uh, for transfer sacks. They would not. No, no, they are recruit sacks. So yeah, that's one to think about. Uh, we got a bunch of questions here in the chat on YouTube. Uh, Ernesto says, Alicia and Michael, what are you most excited for this season? I am excited to watch Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams cook. I cannot tell you how much joy it brought to my heart to watch an exciting USC offense again last year. Like, it's just, life is just brighter when you get to watch offense like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. For, for USC uniforms. So I am, I just, I, I, I want them to shine that light into my life again. I'm excited for big home games, uh, big home games at the Coliseum. This is a schedule that I think is going to be a blast. Uh, we talk about the first six games being sort of a cakewalk for SC. And that might be a little frustrating that um, SC has a, a run of games where they, they should be in control and it might be, like you're feeling like you're waiting forever for to have a result that is truly validating for, for SC going forward. But that back half is going to be so freaking overloaded that every week back to back to back to back to back, everything but the Cal game uh, is like must-see TV. And even the Cal game, you know, I think is going to be a difficult close game because of all the other elements, you know, involved Cal always plays SC tough for some reason and the games in strawberry Canyon and it's the last weekender and it's a potential trap game. Like all those six games I think are going to be a doozy. Um, and that's going to be a really fun ride in the pac 12, especially a pac 12 season that is loaded with incredible quarterbacks. Like we sit here now and say that Caleb Williams is the, the, the best quarterback in not only the country, but, but in the pac 12, but the reality is that like, there's like three or four different quarterbacks in the Pac-12 who could be drafted first, depending on how their seasons go, right? I think Caleb Williams is the first guy taken in the NFL draft. 
But if Caleb wasn't in there, it wouldn't be the shockiest those would, shocking Those would things. be the quarterbacks that would be right. talked about. Yeah. yeah, because Michael Penix exists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Derek Bay exists in the ACC, but we're not talking about the ACC right now. So, yeah. Um, uh, in Cartum says, uh, what do you think about Freddie's lawyers? Interesting do. I think he means Reggie. He, means, he did correct it later on yeah. in the chat, Reggie's. Uh, interesting duo. Um, yeah, yeah. I they're 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 big names that are involved in sort of bigger, broader civil rights cases and stuff like that. So they know how to they know how to play a crowd. They know how to mm-hmm. how to work the work their deal. Um, they're not taking this on for no reason. Yeah, and Reggie, he might be looking to get the most out of the NCAA, but it's not like he doesn't already is not like he's already loaded with the ability to go out there and get the best lawyers possible. So more power to you. Um, if the NCAA has the lawyers that allowed that statement, uh, then... to, to be on the other side of the, uh, of the aisle, like, um, that's going to be a tough one for the NCAA. Yeah. So, uh, Cameron says with the, uh, the lawsuit commencing, should he be okay with a settlement or try to get the max out of the NCAA? Earlier on, you said, Alicia, you think this is all settlement? Do you think that should be what the game plan is? Everything should be geared towards a settlement that results in uh, in the rest- restoration of his of his records. Yeah, I, I, I think so, It too. should be that simple to make this go away if you're the NCAA. Should be. Um my my concern, and one of the things where I am struggling to get invested in this is... The McNair thing lasted years and Ever. years and years, and I. But McNair, I don't want to have to deal with another one of those and things. I can't speak. I'm over it. I can't speak for Reggie or his lawyers, so I could be completely off base on this. But McNair was that the the legal battle with the NCAA was about his livelihood, right? Reggie Bush is not about his legacy it's about his legacy but it's like it's not about like i can't imagine it's just about money the way that todd mcnair actually really needed that money i i'm but there is nothing more prideful than a than someone who has their legacy questioned this is true i i mean but that's what like i'm saying like i don't know if you're the NCAA, I don't think you have to part with that much money because the number one thing that you're going to do is just re- restate, reinstate the, the records. Yeah. The only thing that would stop the NCAA from doing that is like if they just don't want to set a precedent that then causes others well, to come out. But like, What happens if the, the Heisman Trust gives the Heisman back but the NCAA doesn't instill the records? Well, the Heisman that- Trust says that they won't give the Heisman back. So they're just passing because the buck. They pass the buck because the records are, don't don't exist. Which is very stupid. All right. Um uh Charles Sun says uh do you think we see the number 5 retired again this season? I think it would be interesting. There's a lot of first of all, I want the number retired for a big game. Uh ahead of a big game. I like you retiring it at the the Nevada game, for instance. I get the idea that yeah, you against the in in a win that you can you know maybe you get a sellout that you didn't wouldn't have had otherwise and all that stuff and all the marketing side of things that way. But how like epic would it be to have the number retire like this all gets settled 
right ahead of the Utah game or the Washington game or the UCLA game, like that would just feel more momentous, right? Yes, but having seen that press conference today, I have now decided absolutely not. It will not be retired because if Reggie says that he won't lead the team out of the tunnel until he has his Heisman, then I don't think there's a chance that Reggie Bush steps foot in the Coliseum with the intention of being there when USC retires his number, re-retires his number and restores it to the peristyle unless he has his Heisman. And I don't think that this process will be this quick. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly now on the side. I, for a second there, I was convinced it was happening on Saturday. I, for, for a second if, there, I was convinced, if, but just hearing him say that to me, it, it all comes down to when he gets his Heisman back, all of these things will happen. And, um, yeah, they uh, until he has the Heisman back, I don't think you can expect anything to happen. With that said, I, I think the other thing is, is this even going to get settled during the season? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Because I don't know that that's... I think the NCAA has other things. I mean, the lawyers can obviously deal with things during the season. It's not like they're playing football. But the, the Heisman Trust is going to be focused on, you know, the Heisman stuff during the season and whatnot. So, and it's the ideal... Time to un, you know re-give Reggie his, his Heisman back is at the Heisman ceremony, but you would never do that because that would be a dick move to whoever the Heisman finalists are this it year, also right? Call attention to the Heisman Trust's stupidity in taking it away well, this, in the first place. This, this is true too. Like, but just imagine if like you win the Heisman and like twenty minutes before they gave it to Reggie. Yeah, like <laughs> that that would suck. That would suck. Um, so. Uh, Fighting on MC says, is Reggie the only college player that's had his stats wiped off? No, any any no. player that has been deemed ineligible has had their, had their stats taken away. He's the most prominent, meaningful guy with the meaningful stats in and part this, because of the Heisman Trophy. The, yeah, the stats would not matter nearly as much if they weren't connected to the return of the Heisman Trophy. Right. At least that's my take. Yeah, if the, if the Heisman Trust didn't pass the buck... And this just gave him the thing back. I think nobody would care. So maybe the Heisman Trust needs to just reverse course. The Heisman Trust shouldn't have taken it away in the first place. Well, I, it's just—it's very. Yes, I—I I agree. I agree. Uh, Touchdown USC says his solo working on his PhD. I hope he gets another season. <laughs> he might be. He might. Be. I mean, yeah. He's going to be the dean of something by the time <laughs> he gets out. Yeah, more power to him. The Tulia Pupu School of. Uh, Whatever he's school of sports in. medicine, <laughs> that who knows he might have the experience at that point. What's his major? Unfortunately, like yeah. Um, Kenny says, "How early could Miller Moss come in for the Trojans? If he enters the game in the third quarter, I will be very happy. I probably will lose that over under, but I will be very happy. I think ideally, second drive of the third quarter is what you would imagine him to do. Me personally, start him in the third quarter." Okay, uh, Solo Tuliapupu earned his bachelor's degree in business administration in spring last year. Mm-hmm. He is currently produ- pursuing his master's degree in MBA. project management. He has oh. a GPA of 3.75. Nice. Good for him. So he's agile. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah, coaches always talk about how they they want the starter to come back in the third quarter and like get that first drive. I think that is like so overblown personally mm-hmm. I don't think it's that I understand the idea that you're building that rep but also I think there's also value in having this the backup 
go into the second half treating it as if they are Let's starting start the from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's almost more valuable. Yeah. Um, especially Caleb Williams, a guy who's done everything already, right? He doesn't need that that drive in the third quarter if SC is up thirty five seven or whatever, right? You give it to give it to Miller Moss at that point. I I would love that. I just we just don't see that. We that that would be a very bold, um, bold move for uh, USC. Yeah, uh, Tim says I should have asked this in the season predictions podcast. What non statistical things do you want to see that uh, that that the team shows that they have improved on since last year? Don statistical things. Um, for the record, it looks like Caleb played the whole third quarter. Uh, he was in, in there pretty long in the yeah. Rice game last year yeah. when USC was up fifty nine to fourteen. So, um, non statistical. I, I I think it. It's is it too broad to just say the eye test on the defense? Uh, I I think a lot of it has to do with what I want to see is linebackers being where they're supposed to be on a play and making a play, um, which would certainly contribute to better statistical outputs, but mostly it's when when you're watching the game, it looks like the linebacker is where they're supposed to be and making the stop that they're supposed to make. Um, That it, that it looks like the defensive line is not getting pushed around, that it, it looks like they know what, like I said earlier, it, it's really, do I have the sense that all 11 players on the football field for USC on a given play know where they're supposed to be and understand their role, which by the end of last season was very much not the case. Yeah. I, I think for me it's it's about the defense pulling their weight when necessary. Um in in a game like in a game like Utah, right, where you need to get a stop sometime, like that's a good in one. the second yeah. half, just get a stop. Like find a way to make a a stop there, to so that these these games don't snowball. And both games against Utah, the games kind of snowballed, especially and uh, the two, two championship game late, the Tulane game. Yeah. yeah, like when push came to shove, SC didn't make those stops on defense in the second half of the year. They did in the first half of the year. We, we saw that against, you know, was it uh, Fresno State? They 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 made a stop on literally the last play of the game that made the st- score line look pretty. Um, well, that, and that Oregon, would have changed things if they didn't. Oregon State, they... They, they forced four they, turnovers they made, in the second they half. They made stops. But, right. but yeah, it just... I, I'm, I'm very much with you. It's, it's the critical stop in the second half of games against good opponents. Right. Especially a time where... And not, not the way it happened against UCLA. Because I I don't want to take it all away from Corey Foreman. But, like, that was a DTR mistake. Well, <laughs> it's to me, it's less about the turnover aspect of it. And I'm okay. Like, I think you want to force other teams to make mistakes. I think that's part of what you want to do on in, in football, on defense. I think for me, it's to to the sentiment of what you're saying is don't be susceptible against yards. It's either giving up yards and touchdowns or having an interception. Yeah. I think there's a middle ground there, which is just making a stop and getting mm-hmm. getting a three and outs. I don't know, forcing instead of a touchdown, hold somebody to a field goal. 
something like that where you just have little little positive momentum stops here and there throughout a game to prevent teams from hanging in there especially when you know the the SC offense is trustworthy enough that you can expect them to get yards and points and points and points and points this is going to be like the best offense in the history of USC football again yeah at the same time there's going to be a drive in a key game where Caleb misses a guy on fourth down or third down or a call doesn't go SC's way yeah or uh there's a there's a key pivotal drop right something where they didn't get points on a drive that you wanted points and now the defense has pressure on them last year there was no chance outside of the Oregon State game that SC was going to make that stop in the second half of a key game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did make get the interception against UCLA, sure, but like they let UCLA be in that game in the entire second half too. So uh, you got to find a way to, um, you know, make some key stops there. I think the other thing for me, um, and yes, this could be statistical, but not completely is just more pass protection, just more pass protection, allowing Caleb to naturally go about his business. Let him be he, more comfortable. Yeah. Let him be more comfortable. Yeah. Let him pick and choose when he needs to run rather than forcing him to scramble and be a miracle worker every time. Um, and maybe that means that he just runs for less yards. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And it's probably a good thing if that ends up being the case. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that's going to wrap things up here on the preview episode. USC and San Jose State playing at 5 p.m. Uh, on Saturday at the Coliseum on the Pac-12 Networks. We will be back with a... Um, oh, shoot. I got an email. We got an email. We I, did get an email. We did get an email. Sorry. Yeah. We're not over. This thing ain't over. We got an email from, from Tony and Denora PA. Uh, Tony says... Michael and Alicia, this is Tony from Denora, PA, because that's what Tony says. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to come to next year's cookout, but there's a slight problem. Denora is in Western PA, 40 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. State College is a two and a half hour uh, drive away. I was planning to go see the game in Happy Valley uh, if they don't change the schedule around with Oregon and Washington coming into the conference. So maybe we will hook up at the game. Tony, fight on. So. Uh, thanks for writing in, Tony. What we've learned since USC joined the Big Ten, though, is that everywhere is two and a half hours away from State College. Well, yes, in Pittsburgh, yes. in in uh, in Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll choose our <laughs> base of operations for a Penn State trip. We're going to have in a Pittsburgh. Uh, we're going to have a meetup in um, uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, yeah. or Williamsport, <laughs> or yeah yeah any of those random places yeah uh lancaster not lancaster lancaster Lancaster. yeah i don't know uh yeah (laughs) uh it would be great Uh, i'm sure that if we get out there to uh to the penn state game we'll we'll have a meetup of some sort out there and uh we'd love to see you and it'd be it'd be a good time um and we'd love to see anybody joining our meetup this week friday night uh, 6 p.m. Shakey's in Valley Village on Laurel Canyon. Uh, we'll be there hanging out like a, like a little t-ball team. It'll be fun. Uh, pizza and a pint. 
um, and uh, come join us then. We'll be back with a uh, a live stream for uh, our members over on YouTube uh, on Thursday for Rod After Dark, Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and then the CarCast coming to you Saturday after the game, two, about two hours after the game, so probably about 10.30 on Saturday night. Uh, gives you time if you're going to the game to get home, get comfy, uh, get a pint of Ben and Jerry's, and tune in. That sounds like comfort food, though. <laughs> I hope people don't need comfort food. Com- celebratory comfort food. Okay. Could be celebratory. Okay, celebratory pint of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, exactly. It could be celebratory. Totally. Um, all right. Uh, we will be back then. Um, again, the phone number for the for the, for the the rant slash rave line, 818-643-7227. Throw that into your phone right now so that way you can call during the game. Uh, and also leave questions for the Fallout pod, which will be on Monday night at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific as well. So uh, big shout out to everybody in the chat who joined us. If you haven't already, be sure to like the stream and subscribe, hit the bell, and become a member on YouTube uh, for all of our bonus content for $4.99 a month because we'll be back tomorrow or right after dark. I think that's it. I think we're I think we're ready for football. I think we're ready for football, man. All right. Let's get to it. Until then, we'll see you. See ya. See ya.